Used to keep it cool, used to be a fool All about the bounce in my step Watch it on the news, what you gonna do? I could hit refresh and forget Used to keep it cool Hi, everyone. We're back with Her Ice for the first time in two weeks. It feels like it's been so long. I haven't seen Todd in days. Days. My heart is broken. Hi, Todd. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing, Peter? I'm I'm so good. I'm so glad to have the headphones on, and we're ready to dive into two weeks of girls' high school hockey. So let's get right to it. Why don't you tell us about today's sponsor? Let's do that. So, again, uh, if you're just your first time to her, I'd like to welcome you aboard. If you've been here for a while, sorry we were gone last week. Hockey Day Minnesota kind of took a lot of energy and a lot of time for us. And then us. all of a sudden we decided we were going to put together a monster preview package that took three days. Of course so. But, but it, it was a cool <laughs> event. We'll get to Peter because he was covering it and he was there as a fan. So we'll talk about his experience. Please do not let the laughter throw you off because he did have a good time. Oh, I had But let's get much of a good let's time. get our sponsor. Um Make sure to give them a quick plug. So this week's sponsor is going to be Map South. Um, as the high school season is actually coming to a close for the gals. Bummer. Uh, some programs have got maybe four to five to six games left. Uh, you might be looking for a good training opportunity. Uh, you're going, where do I go? Well, guess what you can do? You can check out Map South. Uh, and then when you're there, uh, in fact, it's a great time right now uh, for you gals out to be checking it because actually this coming Saturday, there is an open house at the rink at the St. Thomas uh, Ice Arena. I like to call it the ice ice box because it is cold. But on Sunday, <laughs> January 26th at 530, there's a girls program, Oakland House, which is a brand new um, <clears throat> in a sense, department with Christy King is going to be helping run that program at St. Thomas Ice Arena. So check them out at mapsouth.hockey for more hockey. information. So let's take a let's take a little memory lane, if we would, since Peter was at Hockey Day in Minnesota. Todd watched it from his couch <laughs> house, a VFW, because I was working my son's uh, rib dinner. What about Hockey Day in Minnesota? Tell us a little synopsis of what you enjoyed most about the outdoor hockey experience, Peter. Um, I like the fact that it was in the city, nice and close. Uh, that was pretty. That was pretty much it. I actually took a lift. Really? I took a lift down there. Well, parking was, is atrocious just yeah. in regular games or regular practices. I didn't want to deal with the parking, so a very nice man named Azrat dropped me off at Ozzie. the rink. Love um, Ozzie. The media center was really close to the arena just across the street in the cafeteria of Blake's Upper School. That was really convenient. We had two TVs in the media center, so in between shooting pictures, you could watch the games on TV and get a, uh, a professional broadcast breakdown of the games. Only ended up staying for one game. Um, Minneapolis Warroad, Tony and I both felt was the more interesting matchup because Warroad doesn't come down here no. all that often. And these two teams, I, I couldn't tell you the last time these two teams played together. So, And you got to see the black jerseys. The, the black the, jerseys. The, Those Warroad jerseys. Oh, my gosh. They were great. Warroad has the best uniform in the entire state. And I'm going to be honest, it's not even close. You know, and I know this is not a girls thing, but the one of the coolest things I saw about when they hen- they interviewed Henry Boucher and they talked about helping design. I mean, he, he took his time because I don't think he's – he just is very methodical about how he spoke. He chose his words carefully, which was Very nice. carefully. And it was like one of those things where somebody's talking and you're like, anybody else, you'd be like, dude, let's go. Let's hurry up. Let's pick this up. Come yeah. on, i got to be someplace. But – I hinged on every single word he spoke, and then when he spoke about the design, about the four wins, 
and the logo on there, and then you know, just talking about how the whole community comes together was just like you want to move more. You want to move tomorrow yeah. to be <laughs> part of that community. So, uh, you know, we talk. Actually, there's not much to talk about the War of Girls this weekend, this week, but uh, definitely a kudos to that entire community and and what they did and bring and they come in clans and they came down and uh, and they thumped Minneapolis. So they did. It was a it was a fun game to watch, though. I mean, it was it was just nice to see uh, two storied programs. And don't forget there ahead. was don't forget those girls games as well as and we'll there talk was Blake and Grand Rapids Greenway which didn't uh, at least the, the <laughs> Minneapolis game was a fun one I I was not there but I talked to some people that are Holy Angel um, students and uh, parents and so that one was a good one the, that was the that was a good one two way matchup definitely was, was. Little, uh, well hey before we we want to talk about big games and we got a lot of stuff we want to get to so let's let's jump into one of our fa- uh, one of our pieces we like to get started with the show not besides introducing ourselves since it's been two weeks but let's talk about that top 10 which Peter ramps up every single in Sunday night oh my gosh it says who is staying who is moving up who is moving down Peter let's talk about the double a of who is up and who is down. Let's go. You know, I can almost hear the complaints from everyone wondering why Minnetonka is still ranked number three after losing to unranked North Wright County, and I'll tell you why. Because they bounced right back with a 9-1 win over Hopkins-St. Louis Park. Good teams beat good teams, and great teams uh, pound weaker, te- <laughs> weaker teams. That's true, though. They do. If, if they'd played Hopkins-St. Louis Park, or Hopkins Park, whatever they're calling it, and they'd won, you know, two to nothing or three to one, that would have been a little more disconcerting. But nine goals for Minnetonka. They stay at number three. The top three remain the same, Edina and over Minnetonka. Um, Forest Lake still hovering in that top five place. I list Forest Lake because Allie Gaynor, after last night, she has 13 shutouts. The Alligator. The season. She is tied for third all-time for shutouts in a season now with Kate Beaudry, who played for Blaine Coon Rapids. And she had 13 shutouts in the 1995-1996 season. Gainer is three away from tying Jody Horak, who has the state record for shutouts in a season with 16. And Gainer now has 21 career shutouts, eight behind, uh, I believe, what is her name? I don't remember her name. But the state leader has 29. So Forest Lake stays near the top five. Proctor, it, moving on to Class 1A, it looks like somebody had Proctor, Hermantown, and Cloquet ranked accordingly. Hmm. Proctor, Hermantown with a big Who 6-1 win. Who would that be? I don't know, but I can tell you one thing. He's wearing a black hoodie right now, and he's got a smug look on his face. There's no smug in my world, but there's just, smug in my world. Justify because there's people that will, as much as I don't want to say it, there's people that look at a record, they go, 13-8 and eight now? And at the time, they were not 13, and they were closer, probably, you know, three or four games above 500. And, and they're going, if you're a top three team in the state in your class, you're going to only have a couple losses, if not undefeated, or maybe a tie. Right. So that's the piece that, you know, I pop in window shopping, and you're like, mm, how can they be number three? And when you dig a little deeper, you'll see that Proctor Hermantown has played a crazy uh, class then- 1A schedule up till this point. The Mirage, big win over Cloquet last night. The Lumberjacks, 17-game win streak has come to a crashing halt. Crazy. Uh, Warroad has seemingly figured out their goaltending situation. Kendra Nordic uh, has gone 8-0-1 in her last nine games for the Warriors. Coincidentally, the Warriors have also gone 8-0-1. Weird. Yeah, weird. Coincidental? So Warroad hangs is still number two behind Breck. Breck will never give up the number one spot. 
So that's where we are rankings. They wise. could. There, there's something monumental would have to occur for them to give up the number one spot. I mean, they would have to lose every game for the rest of the season, each by five goals, and then I would still make them one B. No, they would have to slide. They'd have to add a, another A onto their classification, and then they would change yeah, their number one ranking. So if they added a, an A to their classification, they would they would be number two <laughs> in in the we, in the we could two see. A poll. We could see. They would definitely be more challenging than watching beat Minnehaha United or St. Paul United. Nine to, why'd you even show up? So, Yeah. I, I told you before we even started the broadcast that I checked in on the score last night, and I checked in early while they were scoring the Breck-St. Paul United game, and it was 4-2 to two Breck, according to the girls' hockey hub, because they were still inputting goals. And I thought, wow, 4-2 to two St. Paul United, keeping it close. 30 minutes later, I checked the score, and it's 9-2. to two, And I thought, ha, that's a... Uh, that's a little more along the lines of what I thought the score would be. A little more of the lines, yeah. So, well, yeah, there, okay. There are rankings for the week. There's a ranking. Sorry, my brain all of a sudden just went. And so, there's a couple teams we're going to actually come back to. So, hold on tight to those thoughts. Uh, next thing I want to talk about real quick is since we've been away for a couple weeks, we want to talk about some big games. Now, if we sat down and analyzed every big game since two weeks ago, we might be here till the sun goes down and I want to we are uh, still going to be here till the sun goes down no no the no the sun hasn't even come out today that's true but actually it sets after five o'clock so we're getting better and closer to summer solstice but anyway so I'm going to zip through some of the bigger games that we saw or that we in case you kind of slept underneath the rock the last couple of weeks uh, and then we're going to break down a couple of games that happened last night uh, we've kind of uh, teased those games a little bit, but we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about those two. So let me go through the games that we thought were kind of a big deal. Uh, first of all, last Thursday, the 16th, uh, Edina with the big 4-1 win over Wyzetta. Is it big for Edina? No, but as you showed, they're still mm-hmm. the power force. Yes. Wyzetta, they're always looking for that chance to beat Edina in the late conference, and they just couldn't get, quite get it done. Uh, Maple Grove, I was actually at this game because my son was on the other rink in Victoria, so I was actually oh. back and forth watching. So Maple Grove with a big 2-1 victory at Victoria at Holy family so that was good for those gals and then also on Saturday there was a big epic where Edina stays hot in the lake where they shut down and shut out Eden Prairie three to nothing so they stay hot the other big one I want to throw was people will say like Blake ate nothing over Grand Rapids Greenway at Hockey Day Minnesota at night when it was cold not a big deal but the reason I say it's a big deal is because Blake has been after the Schwanz slash Herb Brooks classic where they got thumped a couple times, I think that was a key win for them They're to kind of kind of get that momentum back into it. They just have not got that that clicking yet. Mind you, they got the one magic line, the powerhouse line, but I think it's big for them to just kind of get yeah, against a good team. Don't get me wrong, uh, the Lightning are good good squad, so I think that's a good win for Blake. That even though it, the score may not show it, but it's good for them to get the the. Um, the momentum back, and they showed it last night by uh, destroying uh, Minnesota United seven to one. So Blake might be slowly getting back into the groove. Of things. Well, it goes along with what we just said about Minnetonka. You know, good teams beat good teams, and good teams also should rack up goals against teams that are overmatched. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's a goal difference. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, seven one shows that you dominated that game in all aspects. I don't even have to look at the scoreboard. I know exactly, even though I did look at the now prospects for that one. <laughs> all right, so let's slide into some of the games that we thought were big ones. I'm going to throw this one over to to Peter because he was there on site with a big late conference game yeah. for uh, Wyzetta as they get back into the win column with a big 6-2 win over North Wright County. If North Wright County would have beaten Wyzetta, they probably would have snuck into the top 10 for Class 2A this coming week. 
Uh, they got on the board real quick. Two goals right away. Defensive breakdowns by Wyzetta Northright. They like to float one forward near the top of their D zone and into the neutral zone. There were a couple of odd player rushes that led to those goals. Uh, Taylor Williamson and the Wyzetta coaching staff, super smart move. Second period, there they held their first line with Gretchen Branton and Sloan Matthews on the bench for the opening draw. Held Northright County's first line to no offensive chances, got a switch, and then their first line scored on uh, Northright County's second line. So a nice savvy move there by Williamson and Good the Trojans. Coaching. Great coaching. Five straight goals and a nice goaltending performance by <clears throat> Micah Bergeron, who stopped 22 out of 24 shots. Why is that it takes home the 5-2 victory? 6-2, but close enough. It was 5-2. to Oh, was it? It was 5-2. I was there. You were there. I was. I wonder why I wrote down 6-2. It was 5-2. My bad. Sarah Adolin. Adolin? Adolin? I don't know. She had a lot of A's in her name. She had two goals in the win as well. Good job, ladies of Troy. Yeah, they had a bunch of youth players there, too. Oh, there you go. Youth oh, night. Yeah. Always good. It's always fun when it's youth night. It's always oh, tough yeah. on, a, on a weeknight for youth nights. Speaking from a parent perspective and also from a high school perspective, like it's tough for those kids that want to stick around for a youth night after yeah. a weeknight game. So we're talking like 930 before you get your pizza and your cupcakes and you're on your way home <laughs> and you're like eight, nine years old going, I just saw my favorite players play. And then you're all hopped up on sugar oh, yeah, and you don't go to bed until you got to wait till the newest before you go to sleep. You ask your parents if you can watch the late show with them. Right. Uh, another game last night that was kind of a, a popper was uh, – and we had alluded to this before, where the Lumber Jills of Cloquet Esco Carlton got taken down by, according to uh, YHH, Peter Odney's rankings, <laughs> number three, Proctor Hermantown, but justified in a 6-1 win over the Lumber Jills. Taylor Nelson got, uh, she got shut out uh, scoring-wise. She did get one assist. The other uh, machine that's on uh, Cloquet is uh, Kiana Bender. She did get the other goal. But a couple players that had great games for Proctor, uh, Hannah uh, Kalpanen, I hope I'm saying that right. She had two goals, and Megan Madill had two assists. Uh, that was the the big uh, point getters for Proctor. They started really quick. They got two goals in that first period, and then never really let go. They they dropped a four spot in the fourth and the third in the four goals in the second period to be up six nothing after two periods, and then Benner scored in the third. So they really dominated that game. Um, shots on goal right there. Uh, Proctor Hermantown's uh, Abby. Pajari, I hope I'm saying that right. She had 28 saves. Uh, and then Cloquet Esco had two goalies that kind of came in there. Laura Maslowski and Araya Kaminsky split time in there. Unfortunately, I'm not sure about which started first, but um, obviously I'm guessing Araya because she did give up the four goals. So uh, right there, Proctor Hermantown thumping the th- Lumberjills, but I see them s- either seeing each other later on in the season or the, or the sections. So I'm not going to say that's, but it'll be a nice revenge game for uh, Cloquet Esco. Another one. And then another big game we want to talk about last night uh, was uh, uh, Eden Prairie uh, beating Minnetonka by the score of 2-1. to one. Big game for the Eagles as they were on the road for that game. So that's not an easy place to win when you're playing at Pagel. Uh, a couple key players to bring out in that one. My my computer froze for a second. Um, uh, it did. Uh, Minnetonka, there was actually no score in the first period, which is always good when you have a good battle like that. Uh, but then uh, Lisa LaRoche got the first goal for Minnetonka. Then Ian Perry came back-to-backs with uh, Grace Coopers and uh, Anna Brown, who got the other two goals. He put them up 2-1, and the third period was another scoreless battle. So uh, a good win for Ian Perry to come back at them. Uh, goalie Molly Gergen had 19 saves. 
And then uh, Bryn Dulock for uh, the, uh, the skippers had 20 saves herself. So, Are you ready for me to throw something in there about power plays? Love it. <laughs> Minnetonka it. goes 0 for 4 on the power play. Eden Prairie goes 2 for 4 on the power play. Special teams. That's why they call them special. I hope everybody can hear me pounding the table. I don't know. If there was a button bar for banging the table, that would be a perfect time. Or if there was a punishment for banging the table, I'd be dead by now. No, I would, we'd never punish you for that. Just got to make sure we have a button bar for that so people kind of <laughs> recognize the intensity of that one too. So anyway, so EP uh, bounces back from their loss to Edina the week before, and they uh, they get uh, revenge on Minnetonka. So good win for the it's Eagles. It's a huge win for the Eagles. Yes, very much so. They might eclipse maybe and jump ahead because, again, this rankings came out on Monday. Game was last night, so that could twist things. But again, we have it games. Will. We have games coming up this weekend, so we'll see if that will change things for them. Hey, uh, so we do have some games coming up this weekend. We have some games of interest, if we like to call them. Uh, we just got talking the big games, so these are some big games that me and Peter uh, think are going to be some games that you should pay attention to because there's some rankings, some section implications yeah. that will make a difference. So, Peter, take it away. Well, the first two games on my list are on January 23rd, which is tomorrow. Hey, this is tomorrow. Wow, that's interesting. Yay! So Forest Lake at Blake, that's a top 10 battle. Last year, um, no, I don't remember who won last year. I'd have to check my notes. The team with more goals The won. team with more goals. Yep. Maple Grove plays Breck tomorrow. That one is spicy because they're each, you know, Breck's number one in Class 1A. Maple right. Grove has been rotating between 5 and 6 in the 2A rankings all season. And then we've got, on Saturday, Edina and Northright County. This one is interesting because the Riverhawks played Edina to an incredibly close 4-2 loss on December 21st. Um, when I was chatting with Taylor Williamson last night, she mentioned that game as one of the reasons that the late conference teams have to respect Northright County, who are who is in its first year in the late conference. Also, on Saturday, we've got Simley at St. Paul United. That is a big game. I believe that's got Section 4, Class 1A implications. Mm. And then on the 28th, so the day before we do our next pod, Matamidi and St. Paul United, another uh, Class 1A Section 4 game. And the interesting part about Section 4 is that the top two seeds get a bye automatically into the semifinals. So getting one of those top two seeds is huge because then all you have to do is win. Two games. Two games in your instead state. Instead of three games. It's amazing how state. small that is. But, again, when you've got a, a co-ops down there, then you lose the amount of teams. And there's co-ops on the west side. You know, you've got Jefferson Kennedy who are co-op, and you've got Chaska Chan who's a co-op. So over there in the in the suburban east or the metro east, when you co-op those, there's not a lot of teams. So six in a section. So, yeah, big implications. That'll be a fun one to watch and see who's going to come out. Any thoughts of which who's going to have the better up in that one? That's at... United, or the Drake Arena, I believe. I think United might surprise some people. They still have a couple of girls from their magical run, you know, three or four years ago. Some of that talent is still there. I think this is big. It'll probably be low scoring because that's virtually every game that Matamida has played this year. I think on home ice, I think St. Paul United uh, might pull off the air quote upset. I saw the air quote. That was kind of fun. I, yeah. I saw the air quote. It's all right. Nobody else saw it, though. That's the problem. Oh, that hurts. Bummer. Say, all right. So, um, uh, not upcoming games, but I want to kind of do a, uh, a quick little spiel here about one of our favorite conferences as we talk about the South Suburban. I thought it'd be kind of fun just kind of because I swear every single week we talk about the South Suburban where it's literally they beat each other up, and I watch a couple teams, and I'm like peeking through the scores and looking for players, and all of a sudden I'm like, 
Oh, <laughs> look who lost. Oh, look who won. And I'm like, I got to look at the conferences. So I thought, hey, let's just have a little, uh, little roundup, or if you would, a little check-in on the South Suburban to see what happened last night because literally it's a conference. I'm trying to think of a good nickname for the South Suburban because it literally is just a dog fight <laughs> every single night where there's, oh, look who won. Oh, look who lost. Oh, look who won. Ouch, Suburban. Ouch, Suburban. Okay, we'll work on that uh, one. I can think of some that probably aren't. Uh, we got to keep this PG language yeah, PG. friendly. Nobody does G anymore, do they? It's all PG. PG it's all 13. PG. All the kids can handle Because even the five year olds need like a little bit of violence. They do. <laughs> they need a just little. A, just a touch. Just to not to get them over the edge. All right, so here's a quick wrap of all the scores. So Eastview beat Burnsville 3 to 1. That was in Eastview. And then Farmington with a big win on the road at Lakeville North as they keep Lakeville North down below them in a 3 2 victory. Lakeville South stays in their position as they beat Shakopee, who is. Peaked early, I think. I mean, they might be slipping a little bit. They've kind of slipped down a little bit, so they beat them 5-2. to two. Prior Lake, oh, just can't get a win in this one. They lost to Rosemont, uh, so they stayed ahead in 7-6. And, of course, the Moran sisters the Moran were on sisters. fire last night, beat Egan 5-2. to two. Current standards are sitting where Apple Valley, Farmington, and Lakeville South are all 1-2-3. And then the middle pack is your Eastview, Shakopee, Burnsville. I really wish when I would have got ready for this, I really would have brought the section piece to us because as we talked a little bit as we prepared for today or we you know we we hit the water cooler we're talking about <laughs> hockey and life and maybe uh, the snow I love the conferences I wish the high school would really push for more conference robbery I think in the south suburban or the ouch the south ouch however you want to ouch say it. suburban they beat each other up, so I think there's some true rivalries but then when that section comes it's like you want to look and go like, okay, who is really jockeying for that section position? And I know there's a couple of girls that I've talked to in the last week or so. They're like, hey, is so and so a double A? Is so and so a single A? So I know when how we're sitting and you know, you know, looking for a spot to go. I know where we're sitting in three double A, or I know we're sitting in four single A. You know where the seatings are instead of going, okay, well I know they're double, I know they're single, and it's so. I'm not saying get away from the conference idea, but I, I it's amazing right now. This time of season where that conference schedule just it's like it's nice, but everybody so focuses on that section piece. I mean you could you could make an argument that the South Suburban Conference is the model conference. Oh right there with the Lake Conference. The teams are relatively close together geographically. Yep. And they're all you know, there's a lot of parity in each conference. So there are a ton of teams that are all within striking distance of the top seed. It's exactly what you would want in a hockey conference. And then you look at some of the other conferences and they're super top heavy or they just don't have enough teams to support a strong conference. Or they grab teams that are not in their section just to fill up the conference. A good right. example, because I live and breathe that every single week is the Metro ah. West where you've got Minneapolis and Holy Angels who got brought into the mix who are not normally there, but they got brought in. They both play a schedules. They're playing with Jefferson, Chaska Chan and Benilde. So that's such a weird mix. Mind you, trying to fill a conference, but geographically, there's no rhyme or reason to any of that. So it's 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 spellbound because the conference really doesn't do jack. It's like, well, no. if we play so-and-so and so-and-so, well, the, the conference doesn't really reflect that whatsoever. It's not like you get an automatic bid in other sports to make the playoffs if you win the section right. or you win your conference. So I think but, from, from an administrative standpoint, I think it makes things easier because if you're in the South Suburban – and you got to play everybody. Do they have to play everybody? I think they have to play everybody twice. I would say they probably could. It makes scheduling easier because oh then you only gosh. have 
you know, four or five non-conference games where you got to get on the horn and spend 12 hours on a, a summer Tuesday trying to fill your schedule. So I think that it definitely helps smaller teams fill their schedules. Yes. But you also run the risk of watering down a conference when you do that. I am living proof of that. So enough about me. You're Chad. a walking miracle, Todd. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be. All right, speaking of walking miracles, um, uh, not so much that they're miracle teams, but we want to bring up <laughs> two teams that uh, one of them didn't have any, they was any miracle. I don't think either one has got any miracle ties. Very close. Very close to miracle ties. What? The movie, 1980 Olympics. Oh, you mean like connections to the See, actual I was going, that was my segue. I thought you meant like a miracle it's, tie during the season. No, I no. Like, no I don't know if I would ever on, quantify a tie board. as a miracle. Anyway, all right. So I'm going to stop babbling there because uh, <laughs> I, I feel like it's time for us to talk about a couple teams that we want you to watch out for. We've talked about them once before. Both of them are in officially. It's perfect timing, actually, because this was planned before the rankings. But yeah. both are in uh, Peter's uh, rankings. One is a number 10 team and one is a number 5 team. So we want to give you a little, on that bubble. Both on the bubble, but they're definitely one has been on that bubble. I would say really bad. When you're in the top ten, you kind of just play really well. Let's Once talk you make the top ten, just win. Yeah. How simple is that, kids? Yeah. And I could just throw out a disclaimer right now. These the throw for it. everybody who gets Chuck it. so worked up over rankings, they have no bearing on what happens for the rest of the season. It is okay. It's okay. I think rankings were created just so people had something to talk about. Think well, about that's it. all of sports now. Yeah, it is. Well, you look at what ESPN used to do journalism, and now it's just, who's the GOAT? Argue. And then 5,000 people jump on oh, Twitter and they start arguing. Yes, exactly. Anyway, off, what, our, off our soapbox. No, a so, team that we'd love to tell you about, the number five team in Class 1A. Tell me more. Tell the me more. South St. Paul Packers, Packers, who look like, judging from their... Scores this season will be in the running for one of those top two seeds in Section 4, Class 1A. They were the number one seed in that section last year. Lost to St. Paul United 2-1. to one. They tied St. Paul United earlier this year. So we'll see how that plays into the section seedings. But the Packers have won five straight games. They are undefeated in the month of January. And here's what I like about South St. Paul's schedule, Todd. Tell me. They finished the season with games against Eastridge. Played in the state tournament last year. Mm. Hutchinson, who's a quality team. Breck, who's number one in Class 1A. Chisago Lakes, who spent some time in the Class Jenna 1A Lowry. rankings. Mount West Tonka, that spent some time in the Class 1A rankings. Rochester Lourdes, who spent some time in the Class 1A rankings. I bleeping love it. They are gearing up not only for a section run, but a run during the Class 1A state tournament, where they will be powered by it looks like four players who have 25 or more points this season. Lily Ramirez, Mankato State commit sophomore defender, has 29. Ella Reynolds, junior forward, has 29 points. McKenna Deering, junior defender, Bemidji State commit, has 27. And senior forward, Bryn Sexauer, has 15 goals and 25 points. And then in the crease, we have freshman goaltender Delaney Norman, who's played, it looks like, every minute for South St. Paul, except every for minute. five minutes. Can't take a break. She can't, and why should she? She's got a goals against of two, a save percentage of 914, and five shutouts this year. One more time, I love the fact that they're going to finish the season with five super competitive games, showing that, you know, we're going to use the regular season as a chance to become battle-tested, play some really good competition, and that'll set us up to possibly roll through sections and make a run during the state tournament. And... 
Can I throw a heart string at you? Throw it. Doug Woog. The year that he passes, South St. Paul makes the state tournament. I could see that. I could also see them winning a quarterfinal game. Yes. They get a good matchup. They get it. If, if they get the a four good five, matchup, they could they get you know, if they do win that section, could they be a four or five? I think they could be it. Nah, mm. Mm. Water cooler talk. Oh. There's a calculator rattling around in my head trying to balance wins and losses. But that's your little primer on South St. Paul, and I will let Toddler tell you about our other team to watch for. Let's talk about another team that has been, uh, and I know he said you use that number 10 spot in the double A as a bubble, but this team is kind of once they jump up into the top 10, they've kind of said we're going to be here for a while, and that's the Stillwater Ponies. Uh, and the reason that they are they're doing well, uh, besides the fact that they are 17-4-1 right now, conference-wise, they're leading the Suburban East, so they are doing what they're supposed By to do. By one point. And the, the the great thing about them is there's been some games where they've kind of pounded some teams, and there's no no better term to say they've pounded some teams. Uh, eight nothing over Irondale. Uh, they pounded Wiper Lake eleven to two. But at the same time, they are now uh, they are on a seven game unbeaten streak. Uh, they've won their last five games, mind you. A couple were the poundings, so nine one over Park Grove, Park of Cottage Grove. But they had a big, exciting win over Woodbury last night, three to two. So they maintain that spot where they are in the top ten. They should be recognized, and here's why they're doing what they're doing. First of all, we'll start with senior uh, Lauren Einan, who is a St. Thomas commit. Uh, she Love has it. 18 goals and 25 assists for four or three points to lead the team. Another senior who is one of their driving forces is Haley. Hope I say this right. We talked to her mother during the Lumberjack Cup. I can't believe we didn't ask how to pronounce it. I know. Name. Well, you know, you, you know, you you don't forecast the future, but we're we're trying to forecast it. Um, Haley Eder Zidchlik. Hope I said that right. Um, she's got 20, she's got 37 points on the season. 20 of those are goals. So she definitely is doing great things. And of course you got Morgan Wollers who's got 35 points as well. The other one that's going to throw you is miss 2024 graduate. That means she's in eighth grade is Josie St. Martin. So yes, she's an eighth grader. Yes. Last year she was on 12 a, yeah. but when you're coming into a program like Stillwater, which was on the cusp of doing big things mm. as an eighth grader, and she's got 29 points. She's doing bigger and better things than I think they were even anticipating. It's one thing if you got a small program, like, yeah, let's get eighth and ninth grades in it because we got to get the numbers. But she's come in, she's been a force, and she's got the points to prove it. She's helping those seniors to a magical year so far. Uh, a couple other reasons. First year head coach, too. Yes, Mira. Mira is a first year coach. So that's kudos to her. She's been coaching, the, she coaches 12s, and she also coaches some other organizations. But it's nice to her once you get that first job. So she's showing not only her knowledge, being obviously a former goalie. For the Gophers, but now she's on the on the head side, the head coach side. Uh, let's talk about the goalies for Stillwater. The great thing about them, they are a two-headed monster, mm-hmm. which I love it when a, when a team has got two good quality goalies. First, we'll start with Grace uh, Ros, uh, Roski. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a senior this year. She's 8-0-0. She's got a 1-2-3 GAA, save percentage of 9-17, and three shutouts. You're going, well, how can you get better than that? Well, the other goalie is a junior, <laughs> Sophie Kronk. She's got a record of 9-4-1. Her save percentage is 900, and she's got only a 2-1-9 GAA, and she's also had three shutouts. So they are definitely solid in the pipes. The scoring is there. So definitely Stillwater in Section 4 AA, if I remember right. That should be a force 
there, and I'm guessing. That'll be an interesting session. That should be too. really good. I don't want to give it to them, but, um, folks, if you've seen them, we've talked about Stillwater, watch out for them because they are coming at you. Yeah. They definitely are. All right, another goalie we want to talk about that's coming at you, and this is one that I, I, I'm excited to talk about this because I've kind of been following this story for the last couple of weeks, bursting to tell you about it. Oh, is, yeah. Is my mitt bump player of the week. Now, normally we have three of them, and I know we had a big show today, so I want to at least get one gal who's got a mitt bump from me. I try to get the, you know, the small towns, the small organizations that have got a great player. But this gal I want to make mention because uh, it is – uh, my brain turned off for just a sec. So she's a senior goalie. Her name is Josie uh, Bothune. I hope I'm saying that right. She's a senior at Forest Lake. Why is she amazing? Not because she's got some great numbers. Her record this year is five wins, zero losses, and two ties. Great numbers so far. Great numbers. Great numbers. It says she's got 13 games. I'm not sure if she's playing 13 games, but nonetheless, got a great record. Her goals allowed is only 143, and her save percentage is 940 with one shutout. Great numbers. Oh, by the way, folks, she's on the boys' team. She's on the boys' varsity <laughs> team. So she is doing this against the boys. I'm not saying the girls are not strong, but it's amazing what she has done. She has been awesome. So I want to make sure you get her recognized. Last three games that she has played. Now, within, I've looked at the research of the team, and they kind of go back and forth because their other goalie, his name is Casey Suave. Great name. Suave. 5-2-1. and one. So, the great thing about it too is Forest Lake is has got a really nice team this year. They are uh, ten four and three on the season. So the other goalie's got nice numbers. He's five two and one, and they actually have a third goalie who's played, who's had two losses in the season. So it's a, it's they are playing with. So she's playing. They're going probably off and on, off and on. But her last three games, she tied against Stillwater, which is the one that kind of opened my mind on the eleventh of January against Stillwater one one. Then she has won her last two her last two games that she's played. On the 16th, she beat Roseville 5-3. And then on the 21st, hey, that was last night. That was last night. She beat Duluth East 4-1. I can't remember the last time Forest Lake beat Duluth East. I saw that on a tour last night, and there was like this uh, uh, gif of like uh, from Duluth East Hockey. And it was a guy with his hands in his and his face. <laughs> I mean, his face <laughs> and his hands going, oh, my gosh. But still. 37 saves. Yeah, so mid bump to you, Josie, for stepping up and – Going against, I don't care if they're 0 and 67 when Duluth East comes and you still play well. They got good talent up there. So kudos to Josie and also kudos to your season. Hope you go far in the playoffs wow. in the section. So, so good job to you. All right, take a big deep breath. I wanted to, and I actually talked about <laughs> I, in my head. I wanted to flip these around because I wanted to start with the cage fogger and then end on a positive note, but. We stay with this because I know you're kind of regimented, man. I want to stay with your schedule. Yeah. Let's talk about something that's that that's, that's fogged my cage for two weeks. This has just agitated me for the last half hour. It is. And so let's throw it out there. So first of all, uh, two weeks ago, actually it was on the 13th is when I first read the story, John Marshall, uh, head coach. Oh, my gosh. My, I can't believe my brain just turned off for this one. Uh, his... I can see his last name, but for some reason my brain is Josh trying. Chapman. Josh Chapman. I couldn't think of his first name. So Josh Chapman was coaching John Marshall girls. Their record was three and eight in the conference, five and sixteen overall. Basically resigns, and you're like, well, that's kind of weird. Why would you resign in the middle of the season? Weird. So then it turns out that kind of a, reading some story, doing a little research, kind of a little parent pressure is kind of what he was saying. So I wanted to throw this out there because that really burns me. 
as a parent because there's times where you get frustrated with a coach. So there's always sure. there's that thing that they've put on rinks all over the place. Let the kids be kids. Let, let the, the coaches, refs ref. Let the players let the play, coach. coaches coach, yes. referees ref. Let the fans cheer. That's what you do. If your kid's a 10, a peewee, a bantam, when they get older, you kind of stay out of the mix. Unless you're a head coach, and usually we stay away from the parent head coaches for that reason. You're not in the, you know, the, not a conflict of interest. But our rule of thumb in our household, and there's other households that are the same way. When your kids are in high school, without a better term, just shut up. If your child has got something that's going on, let your child advocate for themselves. It's as simple as that. So the part that bugs me is because reading through the story about Mr. Chapman and leaving John Marshall, mm-hmm. it's basically a couple parents that basically were barking and screaming and something, putting so much pressure on him that he's basically just said, he's dropping the whistle going, I'm out of here. They I weren't. Can't. He, he told the post bullets and they weren't happy with my coaching style. They wouldn't stop. They were trying to do everything they could, dig up anything they could about me. How much time do you have on your hands to work up a smear campaign on a high school hockey coach. Like you just you obviously don't have anything else going on. You can probably tell that I'm on, on the coach's side with this. Yeah, the John Marshall program, it's three years old. They split with Lourdes. You lose the better players and you lose some numbers. Rochester is one of those weird cities where it's big enough. Huge. It's a big, it's a it's like dare f- I say metro area. Yes. But you're trying to support for high schools, talent is going to get watered down, especially when you have one youth association. Mm-hmm. So the talent might not be there for John Marshall. They're 28, and they were 28 and 53 during Chapman's run as the head coach, which honestly, I've seen a heck of a lot worse career coaching records. Yep. Seven of the players on the team this year are eighth and ninth graders. That's usually not a good sign. You're trying to get young players in, you take your lumps. Hopefully, they get better over four years. And I don't know who you think is banging on the door to coach the Rochester John Marshall girls program. Do you, I don't know if you think Sean Podine is going to come down and take over and all of a sudden magically you're going to make a run to the state tournament. I, I don't know who you think you're going to get. I don't know if you're a parent who thinks you can do a better job. And if you do think you can do a better job, then I highly recommend that you offer to coach the team. By the way, the team is 0-3 since the coach resigned. So that, that worked out really well. That worked out really well. You hey, turn the ship right around. You fire the captain, and all oh, the ship's going in the right direction. And I've, you're I've even talked to Sean, who actually is he coaches Benel, his daughter Anna, Anna, I should say Anna's Anna. Uh, Anna's on the Benel squad. Great chance for him to coach his daughter. She's good. Good opportunity for them to be a father daughter opportunity. But why would you mess around unless you're a parent on the sidelines and you just think you got all the answers? And I'm pretty sure. Sean Podine's got a younger son yeah. who's a peewee. Yeah. He is not the coach of that team, but guess what he can do? He can cheer. He can support his son. Even if he didn't play in the NHL, maybe he played college hockey, maybe he played at Augsburg, maybe he played at Bemidji. I don't know. Where in your brain does it tell you that you need to push, 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 that you are such a, a smarter person that they need to get out of the position? you got to put so much pressure on them because what? Amy, for example, is on third line, and she should be on first line. I don't think it makes a difference. And in the second part, like I said before, as a parent of a high school, my logic is unless there's something physically, emotionally being done to your daughter or son, you shut up. 
It's as simple as that. Your daughter or son has to talk for themselves. They have to fight the battles themselves. If they want more playing time, guess what Peter was told when he did get playing time as a kid? Try harder. Ask the coach, what do we need to yeah. do? It's not the parents saying, hey, can you tell me what Johnny or Peter needs to do to get better? No. no. You let the child speak for themselves. And I cannot believe that there's a couple parents in an organization, mind you, a high school program that says, we are going to bark and bark and bark until he is out of there because he's not doing what we want to do. Yes, you pay a salary. Yes, you're the booster club, but it does not give you the right to fire a coach because guess who fires a coach? The athletic director. That's his or her job. And the fact that the AD and the superintendent were both fully backing the coach, that tells me that there was nothing, that there wasn't anything nefarious going on. That's a fence. Other, other than that's a fence. AD, they're on the fence. One day they're on the coach side. One day they're on the the parents side. And they're both you on the coach side in this one. Got to pick one side. Mm-hmm. So if the coach is on, you got the coaches back, and everything's good. What parent power do you have to get him out of there? Unless he's good DWI, there's nothing you got. Yeah. Fine. If you don't like what he's doing, write it out at the end of the season. Then write your letter and say, yeah, here's some questions I have. But that's going through the elements. You're going to the AD. You're not. So I know there's a lot of peace in there, but again, it's it's sad. It really is, and I know there's you'll see story after story about how they're like now on Twitter. It's like all this piece about like, hey, respect the refs, and they show a picture of like these are tonight's refs. That's great. We put that we put out there. It's it's a hot topic. It's trending. Great. That's the refs. They're human. I know they got real jobs. This is on the side. The coaches are the same way. This is not their full time job. They're volunteering or they're helping, or they're getting paid to do the high school. So just let them coach. Let them coach. If you got beef, go to the AD. Let the AD talk to him or her, and then go from there. If you got beef, then swallow it, or chew it first, because otherwise you'll you'll no choke. just just swallow it right away so that you can't. Talk. It would shut you up. Yes. <laughs> so, folks out there, if you are a parent and you agree with me, just nod your head. If you're the one that wants to kick a coach out, sit back and go. Why do I want that coach out there? Do does I have it, a good reason? Do I have a good reason, or just because my kid doesn't have enough playing time, or whatever the situation? That's, or is it because the team is five and thirteen, which is not a reason? It's not the coach's problem. Again, if you get four Rochester, and you have the North End kids growing up in Rochester, I was on the North End kids. Mind you, that time basketball and football was powerhouse, and that yep. was right after the Podine was there. So it's like John Marshall's not tearing down the doors right now to win any championships. But still, no. those kids should have a good experience, want to come back the next year, develop and get stronger. So hopefully next year, as 10th graders, as 11th graders, they can be a little better than they are this year. But they can't be there if they're going to change coaches every year. That does not help the program. No, it also causes players who are in the youth system to look at the program and go, nothing is settled there. Exactly. All right, so let me just get my windshield wipers out and just unfog my, my goggles <laughs> here. All right, so, so let's go to another happy time. We're getting close. Happy on time. The end of our show, or one of our favorite parts of the show, is where we kind of break down Peter Odney in a positive way because we want to get inside really of Peter weird. and find out who the real Peter Odney is. So let's rip off three fun questions and see let's do it. what he's got. First of all, Peter, what is the first concert that you remember going to? The first concert that I went to and that I paid for my ticket was Weird Al Yankovic, Yankovic at the Minnesota State Fair. A group of my friends and I, uh, I was walking around with a $20 bill in my pocket. Excuse me, I just burped. All day. I didn't spend it on any food or any souvenirs. And then we came up on the ticket booth and we saw that it was Weird Al. And we loved Weird Al. He was so weird. He was. He was, he was very weird. Eat It was one of my favorite songs by him, that's for sure. 
in the best way, he was very weird. It's a soundtrack to my childhood, which explains a lot. Very cool. <laughs> uh, second question. If you could relegate, I don't think I, I spelled it right, but relegate an NHL team. Florida Panthers. Who would you bring up? Literally anybody else. You really go Florida? No, you just move the Florida Panthers to Quebec. I was going to say Ant- uh, Ottawa. You can scrap that dumpster fire. No, but that's, yeah, a, no, but that's, Florida a, that's a Canadian team, though. I mean, you can't. I know, scrap but it's Ottawa, team. and they've just they've just stunk. Everything. You could scrap that owner and yes. call it a day. Oh, for sure, easily. But yeah, the Florida hockey. I, yeah. I'm with you there, but it's always. I, I wish we kind of have that opportunity. Like so, relegate. It's like take 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 the top AHL team, switch them out this year. Guess what? So the the Athletic did a poll of NHL players looking for the most underrated players. It was a, I mean, it was a huge poll. There's a bunch of questions. Check it out on sure. The Athletic. It's worth subscription. Oh. Shameless plug. <laughs> um, so they polled NHL players looking for the most underrated, and two of them play for the Florida Panthers. Oh. Barkov and Huberto. Oh, for sure. And Huberto had something like 90 points last year, and nobody knew about it. Who? Exactly. Sunshine? Huberto? And watch 16 people sit in the stands? Yeah. Embarrassing. Uh, yeah, it was embarrassing watching them. That's tough. Beat the Wild. Even They're going to get the f- All-Star game, too. That's a fluke. Well, of course they Who wants doesn't want to go down to Ugh. Florida? Well, that's where I they don't. go for the Final Four. The Frozen Four goes down to Tampa because it's a great – I mean, where else you want to go in April? Hey, let's go to, let's go to Tampa. But they put a good venue. So I give it credit because they've done it, I think, twice now. I think they – was it last year they were there? Frozen Four was at Tampa, I think? I can't remember. I'm they're ho- sure. they're hosting something like six huge events in a row. As long as they don't do the outdoor stadium game, we're fine. <laughs> All right, question number three. We're getting sidetracked as usual. Peter, what is your go-to highlighter color? Sometimes, yellow. really? Yeah, classic yellow. Classic yellow, old school. Yep one of the one of the skinny ones that I can clip on a on a pocket. Oh. I usually don't use highlighters because I tend to lose them, and they're I think they're more expensive than pens. But uh, yeah, you get a pack of six. You get six wonderful colors. I like I like the highlighters when I have big lists, like when we have a game list, like for the Squirtacular. Yes. <laughs> Shameless plug. And you can highlight games that you know you need stats or you need pictures for. Perfect. But yeah, yellow, Perfect. classic. All right. Well, that's cool. Mine's blue, FYI, because I'm okay. just, I love blue. Period. Anything blue is good. Either eat it, wear it, drink it. Doesn't make a difference. It's blue. What's but, a blue food that you like to eat other than blueberries? Boy, it's a good question. The problem is it's not really blue. It's actually Aha. purple when you eat it. Eggplant. Uh, I do like eggplant. Good uh, uh, Parmesan eggplant. Super Ooh, yummy. You make me hungry. Yep, thank you. All right, well, speaking of hunger, I'm sure you guys are probably going to run off to the dinner or lunch or whatever you're going to do. So we're going to cut this short. We'd like to thank Peter for uh, being here today because we've missed each other for two weeks. We have. And we're going to be together for, like, the next oh, 200 geez. hours. 500 million but that's hours. another story. But anyway, uh always like to thank him, and it's always appreciate his time and research he puts into Her Ice. Uh, this is Todd Alka, because we'd like to thank you for mis- listening to Her Ice, because it is not his ice. Josie Bathune has taken over his ice. She is. It's 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 my ice is what it is. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> hey, folks, take care of yourselves and each other. We'll talk to you next time. Used to keep it cool, used to be a fool, all about the bounce in my step. Watch it on the news, what you gonna do? I could hit refresh and forget. Used to keep it cool.